0: But I believe in working hard, and and I expect the best out of myself and the best out of everybody else.
1: CCR 76, September 9th, 2009.
2: This edition of Cat Grave Radio was brought to you by FantasyCPR.com. The fantasy football season is here. Prepare to dominate your league at FantasyCPR.com. CCR. DeAngelo Williams, 30, 25, 10.
1: 89's in the building. Still on a mission Still on a mission.
2: Welcome to the show created and produced by fans, for the fans, of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this expanded edition of CCR, we prepare you for the kickoff of the Panthers 09 campaign. We have a visit from Matt Bowen of the National Football Post. Scott Tunstall of Inside the Eagles gives us the enemy's perspective. Nick Yeoman provides some Panther insights, and we have the return of the Minterview. For ninth-year man Jason Baker, Stefan Logan is deep to return for Pittsburgh. Logan takes it his own 21, to the middle of the 25, by some people. He's at the 35-40, kicker defeat, he's on his way! Here goes Stefan Logan, the joystick, the half pipe. there he goes for the touchdown! One back look, and the give off the left side, and here comes... Isaac Redman still on his feet to the five, and he's into the end zone for the Pittsburgh Steelers' touchdown. Tight line splits. ends are all in tight. Second and goal from the one. Jamal Lee. Lee Leaps right side. He's got a touchdown. Carolina Panthers. Second and five quarterback is Matt Moore, play action fake, he throws it down the field, intercepts it with the football, Ryan Mundy, he's up the sideline, we got a pick six, Mundy scores, the Steelers touchdown. It'll be a 38-yard field goal from uh, left hash for John Casey, kick's got the distance, it is good. Final score, Pittsburgh 21, Carolina 10. Now, bubble your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White.
1: Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We've expanded this edition in order to get you ready for the opener versus the Philadelphia Eagles. But before that, here we go again after the preseason loss to that other NFL entry from Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The loss dropped the Carolina Panthers to 0 and 4 in exhibitions for 09. Brad Hoover says he isn't focused on the preseason results.
0: I mean, naturally you want to come and you know play well and win, but uh, you know I, I'm not disappointed. We're 0-4 in, in the preseason. I mean, the main thing is trying to work and work on things and, and continue to better our football team. And our main focus is to have Philly come in here week one and we have the best squad that possibly we can have put on the field.
1: And hey, why go over stats? These were backups playing this game who were trying to make the final cut. Even the score is pretty meaningless, frankly. Now the Bullets start flying for real on Sunday when the Eagles land in Charlotte. I think uh, really in a nutshell, we picked a bad day to have a bad day. Time now for the Panther Preview. Joining us is Nick Yeoman. Nick, how are you today?
3: I'm good, John. How are you doing?
1: Doing great and ready to talk some Panthers. Getting ready to kick this thing off for real is the well, I guess as the ammunition will actually be loaded and we'll have bullets flying, let's start with just kind of knocking out the news. First, the cuts uh, came out Saturday evening. Uh, any surprises to you in those 22, 23 guys who uh, wound up unemployed?
4: You know, to me, uh, there weren't really a lot of surprise cuts, in my opinion. I know that that uh, you know Jay Lehman was one that, that from what I've heard. Uh, there's a lot of people that are upset that that he got let go but really i don't i don't see it i mean I'm disappointed that Cor- Corby Irvin had to be put on the i r but uh you know, I, I, I don't think there were a lot of surprise cuts. I mean, DJ Clark, Paul Chiara, I mean, some of these guys. I just, you know, I didn't think they stood a chance to make the team in the first place. So uh, I know a lot of people like Larry Beavers and Jason Cherry. It's good to see that that they'll probably get a get a chance on on, on some some, uh, some practice squads and playing somewhere else. But no, not really. I don't think uh, there were a lot of surprise cuts, um, like we all kind of speculated there might be.
1: And then we've got the two additions, two brand new additions, both rookies, as a matter of fact. Uh first running back uh Terrell Sutton, who was released by Green Bay, and then defensive tackle, yet another defensive tackle, Rashawn Harris out of Pittsburgh. Um what can you tell us about either of these guys?
4: Well, I know there were some Green Bay fans that I had read that were really high on this running back and, and I think that, that uh worst case scenario he may be, you know, some Jonathan Stewart insurance because obviously we're not quite sure where he stands with that Achilles injury um, so they can throw him in there and, uh, and work. And maybe he can return some kicks. I know he returned a few kicks in, in the preseason. So hopefully he can provide some depth to the running back spot. And, and obviously depth is, is what the Panthers are looking for at the defensive tackle spot with Rashawn. And uh, I mean, he's a big guy. And, and, of course, the Panthers, that's what they're looking for. They're just looking for some big bodies that can then rush the pass or get in there and clog the holes for the run. You don't need playmakers. And I think that's what they've gotten with the two most recent additions.
1: And we've got injuries, speaking of these two guys. Potentially with Jonathan Stewart, they're not saying a whole lot other than, as usual, John Fox saying, he's day-to-day, aren't we all? Other guys like Beeson, who's been out with a sprain of his uh, MCL, I believe his left knee. Some other guys that have been a little banged up. And, of course, we've got Kimo out, which is why we signed two defensive tackles in the last week. Uh, anything? Are you hearing any news about these guys? Any updates on how they may be recovering? Or are they going to be ready?
4: Well, I, I mean, it, it's it's so tough to tell, and and that's what's what's making it really hard for Panthers fans to to figure out how this team's going to look against Philadelphia. Um, You know, John I heard, was a little more nagging than we thought. I think he's going to be ready to go. Um, The big question mark, though, is, as you mentioned, it's Jonathan Stewart. I mean, didn't play any preseason, missed a ton of training camp practices, and uh, and that's a major concern because, as we've seen in the past, John Fox teams, when the injuries pile up, the team really starts to head south and and you're looking at a 500 season. And I know that's something that the Panther fans don't want to think about.
1: Now, we've looked at some pretty bad play on occasion from this team. They they did look better on offense, holding the ball a long time against Pittsburgh, despite the loss, but maybe we've seen some improvements. But just now this is just from my perspective, I mean, I, I don't mind saying that I think they looked a little flat at times, really kind of uninspired. I know they played vanilla offensively and defensively, but... Something about this team just looked really, really flat. Do you think they're ready?
3: Oh, I,
4: I think so. I mean, it, it's so tough to tell because, like you said, they they look vanilla. Ron Meeks is throwing a vanilla defense at them, and we're not seeing a lot of aggressive play calling on offense. So it's so tough to tell. I know that, you know, that you and I have talked that it looks, it seems a little flat at training camp. So it's tough to tell, but, but you know, when the season rolls around, you've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and get ready to roll. And I think the fact that John Fox can play off of last year's big win, opening win against San Diego and, and what that did to propel that team to a 12-4 and 4 season, I think they're going to be ready. I think they know how good of a team Philadelphia is, and, and that alone is going to get this team pumped up and ready to play.
1: Well, maybe Dwayne Jarrett will punch Captain Munerlin in the chin and we can we can get this thing started. But uh, the Eagles are coming to Charlotte. That's going to mean, you know, Donovan McNabb and, and that Jim Johnson defense. It's actually an offshoot of the Jim Johnson defense. Let's start off, speaking of that defense, uh, with our, our offense. Jake and those guys, how do you see them matching up and, and, and what do you see them doing against that Eagles defense?
3: No, well, I think
4: the the rushing attack for the Panthers I think it's good enough that, you know, they're gonna keep that Philadelphia defense honest and I think that's gonna give an opportunity for Jake uh, to find time and to scan the field and, and to find wide receivers open downfield, I also think you got to get Steve Smith into the ball game You got to get him his touches and, and see if he can break things loose on this Philadelphia defense. when you look at that secondary, I mean they let a lot of guys you know an inspirational leader in Brian Dawkins go. There were some other players that they let go that were you know you know household names in that Philadelphia defense, so they had some injuries at linebackers the Philadelphia's kind of like Carolina in the off season had a lot of a lot of banged up guys and they're just ready for the season to start as well but I think Carolina's got a good chance to to work out the Kinks to you know all the bugs that, that the offense has experienced during the offseason, during preseason. I think they have a good opportunity against a decent Philadelphia defense to go out there and put up some points.
1: Okay, the flip side of that, our defense, this new Ron Meeks defense, against that Eagles offense, uh how do you see them going after Donovan?
4: Well, I mean, this is, that's, that's the big question mark because Philadelphia has so many weapons. You look at, you know, Macklin and, and Deshaun Jackson, and of course, Westbrook, if he plays, if he's healthy enough to go, it's going to be tough because this defense, we've seen a lot of holes. A lot of missed assignments, a lot of missed tackles, and that's been disappointing. So hopefully Ron Meeks has got a little tricks up his sleeves because they're going to need it against Philadelphia's offense, which you know could be one of the best in the league, especially down the road once they bring that Michael Vick guy back.
1: Well, we're all hoping for one thing, you know, that this team gets a little bit of payback on somebody on a Sunday after that Arizona loss, the way their season ended. So let's hope it goes that way, but... We'll give you this chance now to to give us your prediction for this big Philly-Carolina showdown.
4: Well, I mean, this is, it's, it's finally here. I mean, this is one of the most tumultuous off-seasons this organization's ever seen, and I don't think this game could come soon enough. Um, Like I said, I I really like the fact that that this running game, D'Angelo Williams, when he's gotten on the field during his preseason, he looked like the D'Angelo of last year. Explosive, break tackles, spinning in and out of holes and making plays. Uh, It's that Carolina defense, though. Can they stop Philadelphia? I think they can. I think they can limit them enough. I know I'm a little biased here, but you know what? It's week one. I can do this. The Panthers have had a ton of obstacles they've had to overcome uh, this off season and preseason, but I think they're ready. I wasn't sure, you know, if Carolina was going to be able to knock San Diego off a year ago when they pulled off a huge win. So I'm going to take the Panthers to win this one.
1: Well, Nick, I'm glad that you're uh, that you're optimistic, or maybe even a little more optimistic than than I am, but. Uh... <laughs> We'll see you here in just a few minutes for, uh, for an edition of uh, Boomer Bust, if you're willing to hang hey, around.
3: Sounds good, John. Thanks.
1: There's a lot more to get to, including a preview with the enemy and the mentor view. In just a minute, we'll be hearing from Matt Bowen of the NationalFootballPost.com. We'll be back on the
2: other side of the break with more CCR.
5: Recently, I've had a hard time making the house payments. So when the phone started to ring, I didn't pick it up. Now I may lose my house, and I don't know what to do.
2: If you're facing foreclosure, doing nothing only puts you deeper in the hole. Call 1-888-995-HOPE today. That's 1-888-995-4673. Because nothing is worse than doing nothing. A public service announcement brought to you by NeighborWorks, the ad council, and this station.
1: It's time once again for the game that's sweeping the nation. It's time for the return of Boom or Bust, and joining us for the game is Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you ready to play the game, sir?
3: I am, John. It's been a while
4: since I've played this. How's it work again?
1: Well, I'll give you a player and their matchup for the week. You tell me if they are a boom, as in going to do well, a bust, which means, of course, they're going to fall flat on their face. Are you ready to roll?
3: Yeah, let's do this.
1: Let's start with Big Ben versus the Titans.
4: Uh, I'm going to go with boom with Big Ben. You know, that that terrible towel was disrespected last year. And and even though Tennessee didn't hold up their end of the bargain and and give us all the rematch we wanted to see, I think Big Ben gets his numbers, and I think he plays well on Thursday.
1: Michael Turner versus the Dolphins.
4: This is a boom as well. You know, Miami was 10th in the league a year ago in rushing defense, but containing Michael Turner is not going to be easy. Uh, Falcons fans need to worry about Turner wearing down with as many carries as he's going to see, but that's not going to be an issue week one.
1: Drew Brees versus the Lions.
4: Another big-time boom. I know the Lions are going to be fired up, trying to get off on the right foot and finally win a game, but Drew Brees is going to put up monster numbers no matter who he plays.
1: Terrell Owens versus the Patriots.
4: I I think T.O. may not be as big big of a bust as his reality show was, but I just don't see many people (laughs) fooling Bill Belichick. Uh, If T.O. strikes early, (laughs) New England's going to make adjustments. I don't see T.O. having a huge game.
1: Adrian Peterson versus the Browns.
4: Wow, Adrian Peterson against Cleveland. Uh, This may be the easiest boom of the season. Cleveland, 28 against the run last year. They certainly don't look like they've gotten any better. Adrian Peterson's going to give Mangini headaches.
1: Phillip Rivers versus the Raiders.
4: You know, I like the toughness that Phillip Rivers plays with, but that Oakland secondary is actually pretty impressive. Yeah, I said it. There's actually something impressive about the Oakland Raiders. I don't expect a whole lot from Rivers, especially if he throws towards Namadi Asimov.
1: Andre Johnson versus the Jets.
4: Well, there's there's a reason that everyone's been so high on the Houston Texans this offseason, and most of it's because of Andre Johnson. He's a bona fide superstar in this league, and the Jets were were 29th in the league a year ago against the pass, so I'm going to say
1: boom. All right, now focusing on the Eagles-Panthers game, because we're homers, D'Angelo Williams versus the Eagles.
4: Well, I'm going to give you that homer answer. I'm going to say D'Angelo's a boom. Uh, you know, there weren't a lot of bright spots this off season, but when D'Angelo touched the football, he looked like the exact same player from a year ago. I know Philly's got a pretty good rushing defense from a year ago, but A, they've had some key injuries. B, they've never faced D'Angelo. So I'm going to say boom.
1: Jake DeLome versus the Eagles.
4: Yeah, the last time we saw Jake delohm on the field in a game that mattered, he was awful. Don't think for a second that's not still in his head. Philly let some key members of that secondary go from a, a few years, and I think Jake's ready to roll. I'm going to go boom.
1: The Panthers' D versus the Eagles.
4: Boy, this is a tough one. I, I, I think Carolina's defense can play well enough to get a win, but I think they're going to be a bust if you're looking fantasy-wise. It's been very frustrating watching this defense lose players to injury in training camp, and when they do get the opportunities in preseason, they haven't looked very good. But I think Philadelphia's offense is just a little too good to be stopped. i got to say bust.
1: Well, Nick, we'll keep track, and we appreciate you playing the game with us, sir. Hey, thanks, John. It's been fun. Hey, it is what it is. And
2: what it is is CCR.
1: Joining us now is a man who played seven seasons in the NFL. He's written for the Chicago Sun-Times, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and the Washington Times, and is also a regular with the NationalFootballPost.com. Our guest is Matt Bowen. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Matt, I was reading the other day that you wrote that you are sort of on the Philly bandwagon as your early Super Bowl pick. Well, they're our first opponent, of course. Why do you pick the Eagles for the Super Bowl? Well,
0: I I think to get through the NFC NFC East is going to be tough. I I think the the winner of the NFC East is going to be the most ready for the postseason. Why I say that is because it's a physical division. Um, The defenses blitz. They bring a lot of pressure. And you're going to have to make a lot of plays on offense. You're going to have to make a lot of big plays on offense to in these football games and I like Philly because I'm expecting a big year out of McNabb and I think they have you know not a a lot of number one receivers not like a guy like Steve Smith like you guys have but they have a lot of playmakers Deshaun Jackson uh, the rookie Jeremy Macklin when Westbrook should be healthy and ready to go they have him and rookie Shady McCoy and I you know I like Donovan McNabb I understand they have issues, some issues in the O line, but there isn't a team that's going into the regular season that doesn't have question marks somewhere. So the way I'm looking at it is, I I like Philly to come out of the East, and I like them to uh, play well enough in the postseason and go down to Miami.
1: We've been going through some changes with the Panthers recently, and the biggest ones really had nothing to do with the roster, and that's the resignations in the front office of the you know the two Richardson, uh, two Richardson sons. Do you think anything like that, could something that happens in the front office, I mean, could that impact the team? Do you think that, that that could have any any impact at all on their season?
0: No, I don't think so. I think the guys in the locker room are pros. I've always thought that what happens with ownership, um, you know, those guys aren't going to – I don't think it's going to trickle down to the locker room. It's not going to affect what happens in meeting rooms, what happens in the weight room, what happens in the field, you know. The easiest way to keep an NFL player happy is that if someone signing the check, if there's a new name on the check, I don't think they care. They just want to get the check, do the work, and win on Sunday. So I don't think that's going to be a problem at all because the owners aren't in the meetings. The owners aren't putting together scripts for practice, and they're not putting a game plan together. That falls on you know Coach Fox, and Coach Fox is still there, so I don't see it being an issue.
1: Well, after all this broke, and it was so unexpected, do you think we could look for more stories or even rumors and rumors I know can be kind of nasty, but should we look for other stuff, other information to come up about this regarding this change at the top?
0: I'm sure. I mean, it sounds too clean and too, you know, cut perfectly down the middle. I'm sure there's something that we don't know about that no one knows about, but there has to be more in the story. Um, you know, I've read that, you know, call it sibling rivalry, you know, call it whatever, but it just sounded too much of a clean break. I'm sure there's a, it goes a lot deeper, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't affect what's going on on the field. Um, you kind of separate the business from the, the game, any problem
1: play. And something I read that, that you wrote lately or recently was, and it was one of the more interesting things I've I've read, and that is about being a rookie, trying to make the team how you handled yourself in that final preseason game and the pressure of it, now that it's over and, you know, players have either made the team or haven't made the team, does any of that change? Does Do they feel the pressure rise after they've made the roster and then they're facing their first regular season game?
0: Sure, because if you're a rookie, you're basically just on a one contract, character. People tend to forget that. You know, this isn't baseball, this isn't the NBA. None of these contracts are guaranteed, especially for rookies. Now, if you're a veteran player... And you've, you know, played three years and three games. That makes you a veteran. Once that opening kickoff happens, you're you're paid for the entire season. But if you're if you're just a veteran, I mean, a, a rookie. Once that ball's kicked off, you you make a mistake. You might not be there on Tuesday after the game. It's a week to week thing. You have to prove yourself every week. And usually, you know, for guys like me, when I was in the the that that means making plays on special teams. Um, and if your number's called to go on on defense or offense as a backup, you better go in there and you better produce, or else they're going to find someone else. Just a weekly thing. Just because you made the team, don't you know? Don't go out and buy some you know a BMW or anything, because you might have to turn that thing back in in a week.
1: Well, we've watched this team this this preseason with issue after issue. We know they've got a problem in the middle at defensive tackle. But looking at all those issues that they have faced during the preseason. Though we can't put a lot of weight on those games, especially on the outcomes, do you think that? I mean, in this amount of time from that last Thursday preseason game to the weekend of the first game, can we expect a lot of improvement? Do you think they're really cracking the whip in practice, or do you? No, think, I, I just think they're they're not so much cracking the whip. I just think more game planning, and
0: that's the toughest thing about preseason games. Is you go, yeah. you you still want to see your guys play well? You want to see them. Work on fundamentals, tackling, blocking, throwing, catching the football, running the basic plays that he installed in April. That's what you want to see. You want to see guys play football. Uh, not necessarily you, you want to see your team win. If you if you win, great. If you don't, great. Because those records are, are done with now. But in the next week or so, what Carolina's kind of going to do is they're going to get ready uh, to play, and they're going to game plan. And their defense, you know, I know Ron Meeks. Uh, I was with him in St. Louis. Uh, they're going to play a lot of coverage. It's just going to be. Uh, an attacking style defense will be a coverage defense that does pull have some zone blitzes and some man blitzes. But, you know, on third downs, you're going to see them, the coverage decline, let the front four go hunt down the quarterback. But they have time. They have time. There'll be some things you haven't seen from them in the preseason, things that they've been holding and getting ready for that first game. And now's the time to do it. Now's the time to put that game plan together and get in the film room, get in the weight room, get in the training room, get your body ready. Because Now it's for real, and that's why you get paid, because this stuff is important, and it starts next week.
1: Well, if we're getting the the team you're picking for the Super Bowl first, I know it'll be a stiff (laughs) test, and we're definitely looking forward to it down here, but... Matt, we appreciate you uh, taking time to join us. Uh, Matt Bowen of the National Football Post. Matt, thanks again.
0: Hey, anytime. I had a good time.
1: This is Cat Crave Radio. Joining us now is Richard Gardner. Richard is the Bodog Sportsbook Manager. You can find them on the web at Bowdog.com. Richard, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Richard, I was looking at the odds for the Panthers. Uh, They have been installed as... Well, their odds right now for the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl, are twenty-two to one, fourteen to one to win the NFC Championship, and currently five to two to win the NFC South. What's making them a relative long shot right now?
6: I think it's just that they don't have any sizzle. I mean, they didn't have an off season where they went out and got someone, you know, super sexy that that you know, create, uh, grabs the better's imagination. So I think that's part of it. Um, I, I think that, you know, that division, New Orleans, because they had such a prolific offense last year, really has the imagination of, of the betting public. So they're the kind of the favorite out of that division. And then you got Carolina, um, w- which, you know, is either second or third in that division. I mean, they kind of flip flop between betters' opinions on them, between them and Atlanta. And Atlanta went out and did get, um, you know, Tony Gonzalez. So there's been a few other changes in that uh division. So I think that's exactly what plays into better's mindsets. I mean Tampa's considered the the ugly sister in the division. New Orleans is considered the class of the division and the other two are fighting for kind of a wild card. It's how our betters are seeing it. Not saying that that's how it is, but that's how the betters
1: are seeing it. I've seen some odds right now. Some odds makers are installing Atlanta as the favorites and it seems to be a lot of people now they're leaning either Atlanta or New Orleans in the division and kind of leaving Carolina, you know, third and occasionally second, but What right now, besides maybe the Gonzalez signing, would make Atlanta that favorite?
6: Again, it's always to do with public perception, and, and Matt Ryan right now is the golden child of football. I mean, I think a lot of people think he's going to take a step forward, and, and you know, it's just as good a 50 50 shot that he takes a step backwards. So I think you're right that that's why, you know, the two teams are seen kind of similar. I mean, if you look at the division odds, one's plus 210, one's plus 230. So really not a lot of difference between the two. Uh, as far as percentage, just a couple percentage points of difference from a gambling perspective on which one does better or which one does worse. And both teams have, you know, for their season win totals are, are plugged in at 8.5. So, I mean, both those teams are seen kind of doing about the same. Uh, Atlanta, we've seen a little bit more money on Atlanta on the over where we have to protect it on the 8.5 win totals at minus 125, whereas with Carolina Panthers were got him at 8.5 plus 105, so that means if you think they're going to win more than 8.5 games, so 9 or more, you will actually get a a higher payout than your risk amount, so if you risk $100, $100, you'd get $105, so a little bit of a protection on the under, but we've seen very good two-way action on the Carolina Panthers, so it's not like people are totally dissing them, it's not like they're the Denver Broncos, for example, where you know we have to protect the under 6.5 wins at minus 200.
1: Now, more specifically, I was looking at some of the odds, or rather an over-under on D'Angelo Williams, and right now he's being given what is kind of a relatively low number, I suppose, at around 1,200 yards for the year. Do you think right now he's still a bit of an unknown quantity?
6: I think so, and generally what happens with betters on those type of props and players is you always... I mean, it's always lower than what we kind of expect to happen because people expect an impossible injury or possible things to happen. So they always, you know, the, the tendency is for some of the betters to bet on the under. So, you know, we put a number, if a guy's usually getting around, you know, got 1,400, we might put him down to 1,200 expecting there will be some injuries that will offset. And So the, I think that, you know, no one's 100% sold on D'Angelo Williams yet. I think that, you know, the uh, fantasy community obviously and other places are, but the betting public have, have not jumped on the D'Angelo bandw-
5: Williams bandwagon.
1: Now are these lines, um, I know you you mentioned the betting public and how, you know, you kind of watch the their tendency, who they lean toward, where the money is going. Are these lines based more or less on that? I mean, or would you say that the early lines that come out before the betting begins, how accurate is that? And then you know, how much has it changed based just on on the money and where the money's flowing to?
6: Well, what we do with the money is we, we tend to not move the number because, I mean, if we we, we started D'Angelo Williams at 1,200 yards and then we just kind of say, okay, we're going to have an even bet. So if you bet uh, on the over or the under, it's still going to cost you the same amount of juice. So, you know, and, and we'll see where the money's going. So right now there's a slight lean towards the under on him at minus 105. But when we put those numbers together, we usually come up, you know, there's a team of us and we all come up with different numbers and then we kind of make arguments back and forth. And usually then what we do is we take about a five or six percent out lower. So we take that that percentage down a little bit and just so, you know, we'd probably say, okay, we think D'Angelo Williams is, is 1,300 yards, but we know that there's going to be some injuries. We don't know who's going to get injured, so let's take him down from 1,300 back to 1,200, and that way it kind of offsets the fact that, you know, some players somewhere are going to get injured because, like I say, a lot of people say, okay, let's try to guess which players are getting injured.
1: Well, again, we've been talking to Richard Gardner. He is the Bodog Sportsbook Manager at uh, Bodog.com. Uh, Richard, we appreciate you joining us this week.
6: No problem. It was great to be here. It's always good to talk, and uh, good luck to the Panthers this year.
2: Don't leave us in the dark, Panthers fans. Send us your thoughts and comments to catcraveradio at gmail.com. Again, that's catcraveradio at gmail.com. CCR will return. The fansided.com sports network. You play to win the game. Where diehard fans dish out non-stop news and views on their favorite teams. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Fandom has no off-season. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. Neither do we.
5: If you want to crown them, then crown them, but they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook.
2: Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet.
1: And for the first time in the 09 NFL season, it is time to pick some games, thank goodness. With us to do that is Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you ready to make some predictions?
4: Oh, I am, John, and these predictions are 100%, well, well, we'll see.
1: They're 25% guaranteed.
4: <laughs> we'll call it that. I don't know. I think I can hit a couple more than that.
1: All right. Let's start you off with a big Thursday night matchup, Titans and Steelers.
4: Well, I can't bet against the defending Super Bowl champions. Plus, I don't think Tennessee's as good as a team as they were last year when they won 13 games. I think they're more of a 10-6 and 6 team. And I think one of those six losses comes Thursday night to the Steelers.
1: Two up-and-coming teams, the Dolphins and Falcons.
4: Boy, John, I am so tired of hearing and thinking about how this is Atlanta's year and Matt Ryan could be an MVP this season. But with that being said, they're a very talented football team. I expect them to beat the Dolphins. I think it's back to the pack for Miami this year.
1: Chiefs and Ravens.
4: Well, let's see. The Chiefs fired their offensive coordinator a couple weeks before they have to play arguably the best and most consistent defense we've seen in the past 10 years. I like Baltimore to shut down Kansas City. And when I say shut down, I mean less than 13 points for the Chiefs.
1: Broncos and Bengals.
4: Wow, what an offseason it's been in Denver. Josh McDaniel has created so much controversy there with owner Pat Bolin, Brandon Marshall, former quarterback Jay Cutler, that it's only fitting they open the season against a team that knows all about drama and controversy. I'm going to take Ocho Cinco and the Bengals to open with a win at home.
1: Vikings and Browns.
4: Well, you know, on paper, Minnesota may be the most talented team in the league, but with Brett Favre, I don't see them really making a deep run, but I also don't think Cleveland is going to be very good this year. So the easy pick is the Vikings.
1: Jets and Texans.
4: I'm going to take Houston. I think Mark Sanchez is going to take his rookie lumps this year with Mario Williams breathing down his neck. I think everyone's sexy pick, the dark horse team that, that takes a win week one. Uh, They've got to keep Matt Schaub healthy, though, if they want to make a deep run for the AFC South.
1: Jaguars and Colts.
4: Well, Jim Caldwell has big shoes to fill, but he's got Peyton Manning to help him out, which is why I guarantee he'll be the most successful rookie head coach. I'm going to take the Colts week one.
1: Lions and Saints.
4: You know, the New Orleans Saints aren't the most balanced football team in the league, but they are still a darn good team. It's fully fully capable of making it a great three-team race in the NFC South. You know, as for the Lions, well, they're going to win sometime this year, but it's not going to be week one.
1: Cowboys and Buccaneers.
4: You know, I'm I'm not quite sure what Raheem Morris and the Glazer family are doing down there at one-buck place. I think they're set up for a disappointing five-win season. And as for the Cowboys, I think they're a bit under the radar. You know, everyone likes Philly and New York in the East. But if Tony Romo and that trio of running backs stays healthy, you better watch out for Dallas.
1: 49ers and Cardinals.
4: I'm going to take the 49ers in a bit of an upset. Now, no head coach is going to get you motivated like Mike Singletary can. You know, they need to get Michael Crabtree practicing. But I think they're going to upset the defending champs. NFC champs, that is Week One.
1: Redskins and Giants.
4: Well, this is the first taste everyone's going to get of that intimidating Giants defense. I don't think they disappoint. Justin Cuck, OCU Manura. They got Chris Canty, Kiwanuka. These guys are scary good, and I don't think it, I don't think Jason Campbell's ready.
1: Rams and Seahawks.
4: Well, despite the Lions going winless last year, the St. Louis Rams have actually won the fewest games in the last two seasons combined, with only five. Seattle went four and twelve last year. But I expect them to bounce back this season, starting with a win over St. Louis.
1: Bears and Packers.
4: You know, Bears, Packers, both of these teams should be battling for playoff spots this year. But I like Green Bay to open with the win. There's a lot of excitement surrounding that young defense that's being coached by Dom Capers, Mike Turgevac, Kevin Green. You know, all recognizable names to Panthers fans. I think Green Bay gets a heck of a game from the Bears, but they come away with a win.
1: Bills and Patriots.
4: Uh, You better believe Tom Brady is ready for redemption after going down last year in Week 1. That's bad news for Buffalo. I'm going to go with New England.
1: Chargers and Raiders.
4: You know, I'd be shocked if the Chargers don't win the AFC West this year, and I also think it'd be shocking if it takes more than eight wins to win that division. So give me San
5: Diego.
1: And we will mention that earlier, if you missed it, We did take care of the Eagles and Panthers game. Rewind if you want to hear that. Otherwise, we could let you say, once again, Eagles, Panthers, who wins this one?
4: I am taking Carolina. There may not be a lot of people that agree with me, but hey, it's week one. I can be a homer. If we do struggle and fall on our face, which is certainly a possibility, then maybe I'll back off. But hey, I'm right on that Panthers bandwagon right now.
1: That's right. We're going to do a spinoff show called The Homer Show.
3: (laughs) Sounds good, John.
1: All right, Nick, we'll keep score for you, and, uh, well, hope to see you again next week picking some games.
4: Hey, I'd love to pick some more games, John. Have a good one.
2: The little show that could chugs along. Back to more Cat Crave Radio.
1: Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. Hey, be sure to check out fantasycpr.com. Even if you have already drafted your fantasy football team, there's always information there that will help you dominate your league. They are located on the web at FantasyCPR.com. Keep your friends close,
3: but your enemies close.
2: McNabb fakes, walks, floats it into the end zone. Touchdown! Wide open is Selick in the corner of the end zone.
1: It's time now to hear from the enemy. Joining us is uh, Scott Tunstall. He's the lead writer over at InsideTheEagles.com. Scott, thanks for joining us.
5: Thanks for having me, uh, John. Appreciate it.
1: Scott, I got to start you off on offense. Let's see what you think the uh, the Eagles will do. How do you think they they will attack the Carolina defense?
5: Well, uh, no surprise here, uh, John. I think they'll probably throw the ball a lot. Uh, with Brian Westbrook still being a, a huge question, I you know we haven't seen him play since you know the championship game. He's been at practice, but he hasn't been in any contact drills or anything. So uh, I don't really know wh- how much he's going to be used on Sunday. So I would anticipate that Andy Reid falls back to what he normally does. But once he's got a pretty good stable of wide receivers, and I think he'll probably attack what I think is the weakness of the Panthers, and that would be the secondary. Uh, so I would I would anticipate him going up early in the game, trying to get some big plays down the field to Jackson, uh, maybe Macklin too, um, just to try to get an early lead on the Panthers. Because one thing you don't want to get into is this low-scoring slugfest with uh, with Carolina, because they're real good at that. So.
1: Well, tell me one player. Name a name a guy on the Philly offense that a lot of us may not be aware of that we really should know about.
5: Brent Celek, the tight end. He's a good one. It reminds me of years ago we had a guy named Chad Lewis who was very good. Had good hands. Always seemed to get open and and made plays. You know, consistently. And you know the Eagles had to put up with L.J. Smith for the last few years, and he was just a disappointment. It was a bad draft pick. But Brent Selleck, a guy, uh, fifth-round pick out of Cincinnati a couple years ago, and he's he's really come along, and, and I would expect to try to get, you know, some, maybe some easy throws to him early, uh, get that middle of the field opened up, which will, of course, open up the outside game, which is what Andy Reid wants to do, and try to throw some deep balls.
1: Now moving over to your defense, uh, when we have the ball, I know the Eagles have been, and for years under Jim Johnson, it was all about aggression, all about blitz packages, and you just never seem to know what they were going to do now under a new defensive coordinator. What do you expect them to do to handle the Carolina offense?
5: Well, it'll be the same scheme. I mean, Sean McDermott's not going to change anything as far as you know what he learned under Jim Johnson. It's, it's about attacking. It's about blitzing. We didn't see any of that in the preseason, and again, I, I, that's, that's pretty typical of the Eagles. Jim Johnson, when he was there, didn't show anything, didn't reveal anything to teams and as far as what you'll see in the regular season. But the defense is kind of uh, you know shaky at this point. Stuart Bradley's injury is devastating to the team. He was the leader of the defense in the middle. Very good against the run. Also tall, rangy guy can defend tight ends pretty well. Uh, losing him uh, is a major blow. And then again, there's uncertainty uh, at the free safety position. You know, I just found out earlier today is you know Macho Harris, who's a rookie, might be starting. You know for all. Since the season ended last year, we kept hearing it was going to be Quentin Demsey He was going to take over for Brian Dawkins. So, you know, as far as that's concerned, I don't know what to expect. I know they're going to do the blitzing and they're going to attack, but I don't know if that's going to work because um, the personnel is a little bit different. And again, Sean's different. He's not Jim Johnson, so I'm sure he'll have some some new wrinkles in there that may or may not work.
1: Is there one sort of under the radar guy on defense that we ought to be watching for?
5: I would say. The the defensive tackles, I mean, they're kind of under the radar because you know no one really knows much about them, Uh, Bunkley and Patterson. These guys are real good. They don't get sacks, but they're very good against the run, which is, of course, going to be vital for the Eagles. If they can't stop the Angelo Williams and Stewart if he plays or even the rookie Mike Goodson, it's going to be a problem. I mean, you know, Carolina, they want to run the football. That's what they're going to do. And if the Eagles can't stop it, it'll be a long day. So I would look for Bunkley and Patterson, those two guys in the middle, you know, also to keep the linebackers free because uh, with a new starting middle linebacker in there, those two guys are going to have to make sure that they don't get guards and stuff running free and, and taking out the linebackers.
1: Now, I know before we started this, you and I talked a little bit about the teams, and we do have some similarities, and it's unfortunate, but one of the things that both teams are coming out of the preseason with is injuries, uh, Lord knows we've been hit with them. It sounds like you guys have been hit. Westbrook has been dinged. Uh, now a problem with Dimps and, and your starting safety position. Who else do you think right now is either a question mark or may not play for the Eagles?
5: So far, it looks as if everyone that's you know supposed to be a starter is going to play. Now the offensive line has been a disaster in the entire preseason. Uh, Sean Andrews missed basically all of camp. He's supposed to start at right tackle. But the guy hasn't played since spring, and his first assignment's going to be Julius Peppers. Good luck with that, Sean. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've been fed up with Andrews for a while now. He's just not a reliable guy. He's a very talented player, but he just—you know—he's you know, had problems with depression, and now he's got the back issue, and uh, they've got other problems. Jason Peters, new left tackle—they you know traded from Buffalo and gave him a boatload of money. He's he's been dinged up through the preseason, so. My biggest concern, as far as injuries, is that offensive line. I mean, they have not played together at all in summer, and you know, continuity is key in an offensive line. And if they don't have it, uh, the uh, Carolina front four could just give them all—you know wreak all kinds of havoc on Sunday.
1: It sounds like really neither one of us is going to go into this game with a whole lot of confidence. But uh, I was no. going to ask you next what you thought your prediction for the game would be.
5: Um. <laughs> I think, again, I would prefer if, you know, the Eagles come out and get a fast start, but I've seen this team on opening days under Andy Reid. They just they oftentimes just look bad. Uh, and if the preseason is any indication, eh, I'm not expecting much. I, I'm going to say it's a low-scoring game. I think the Eagles have more talent across the board than the Panthers, so I think they can win the game. But I'm looking at like a 16-13 type of score. I think it will come down to the kickers, which it has in the past between these two teams. I know that. <laughs> Um so again I I would love to say yeah the Eagles will be able to jump up early but I I can't see it I just I see too many uh
3: too many question marks
1: for an opening game Well again we've been talking to uh Scott Tunstall Scott is the lead writer over at Inside the Eagles. That's I G G L E S dot com. Scott, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate
2: it. It's Binner at the 30. He's to the 20. Cuts outside at the 15. Binner to the 10. Binner to the five. Touchdown! It's time now for the minterview Here comes the ready and now. Here comes the voice on the sound. Here comes the
1: it is time now for the return of legendary Carolina Panther Mike Mentor Mike it's good to have you back
3: man I'm glad to be back John it's uh, it's time for some football.
1: yes, it is. thank goodness we're only days away now uh, we've we've seen the preseason games uh, they don't count but we know that you know things you're, you're gonna pick up on stuff during the preseason. One thing that that seemed to stand out and this has been getting r- written about a lot and that is that the team looked maybe a little flat at times do you do you kind of think they'll regain that fire that intensity before the Philadelphia game
3: Well I hope so and I, and I think they will um you know the preseason sometimes for some teams uh, can just be um uh, something that you have to go through and um, and then you get into the regular season, man, and you're able to turn it on, so hopefully um this is the type of football team that we have um that we're able to turn it on and get ready for these Eagles um coming to town. um You know, we did look flat at times, um I thought so when I was looking at the preseason games, I thought we was really flat and uh, really didn't play with a lot of enthusiasm. The guys that you saw playing with enthusiasm was the backups. Um, I think James Anderson did a great job. I think uh, Mike Goodson did a great job running the football. And and so you saw the younger guys who were trying to make a statement or trying to say on this football team was the guys that were stepping up, making plays and playing with that enthusiasm that extra step, and Coach Fox called it the stinger you gotta play with that stinger, cause you, you gotta be on the edge when you're playing and, and um, you know, you saw Steve Smith but Steve Smith always plays like that when he plays the game, because that's Steve Smith, he don't turn it on and turn it off but as a collective football team, uh, defensively we have to bring some more energy what I did see is that I saw Julius Pepper start to play with that energy in the last two preseason games he was making tackles all over the football field, and when you see him playing like that, you best believe that he's talking about everybody else um picking up their game for the Eagles
1: and you mentioned that defense and they're still well they're still picking up this new system uh that Ron Meeks brought with him. Do you think some of that maybe they're overthinking it maybe they're still sort of on the learning curve, picking up the the, the new wrinkles on defense?
3: John, yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people out there and a lot of fans don't understand how difficult it is to change defensive systems. It is very difficult. It is like really getting a new coaching staff in. None of those guys are the same besides um, Mike Gilhammer, who, who's a safety coach. Everybody else changes. And when a coach comes in, he wanted it done differently than the other coach. And so you've been trained for seven years to run it one way, and then all of a sudden a new coach comes in with new assistant coaches, and they tell you, no, we want it done this way, and we want to say it this way. And so the verbiage changes, your responsibility changes, and your technique changes on the way they want you to get to the football. And so that, that makes it very, very difficult uh, for a team to gel um, in in summer school and then when you get to training camp and now the preseason games. And now it's time for us to, to begin to take a step um, forward. Now, what I will say is that that shouldn't change tackling, okay? We still should tackle a football guy uh, with the with the football once we get there. And that's what we've not been doing well is tackling. Um, so if I'm Coach Meeks, I'm spending all week long on tackling drills. We're going to tackle. Yeah, we're going to get to the football, but it don't do you no good to get to the football if you're not going to tackle the man. So we got to spend a whole lot of time tackling, wrapping up, getting the guy down to the ground um, so we can uh, go ahead and live another down in another day. And so, uh, but it is very difficult to put in a new defensive system, okay, in jail.
1: We've seen some of these issues, and and you know John Fox as well as anybody. I mean, from from your experience, having played for him, do you think over the last, well, since that last preseason game, do you think he's sort of been harder on the guys, maybe cracking the whip a little bit to get them ready for this game? I
3: can guarantee it. <laughs> okay, he, he's on them, he, He's on the coaches. And I guarantee you on the players. And he's telling them, guys, look, this is our first game. He understands that the first game of the season is a very, very important game. If you lose that one, it's like losing two games. Okay, so it's very important that we win the first one, and especially uh, when you're talking about a home game. So it's going to be very important that we come out and do that. And I know Coach Fox is stressing that to the guys every single day. All right, guys. Now the, now, the, now the fun begins, um, you know, the practice games are over, now they count, and they count for real, and we have a goal. We got to win three out of four games every quarter. Okay, we break them down to 16 game season into four quarters. We got to win three out of the four. And uh, when you start off winning that first one, it definitely helps your chances um, to to um, finish those goals that that we have. So I guarantee you, Coach Fox is stressing the point of turn up the intensity. Let's go out there and let's let's play some Panther football.
1: How are you feeling about the season? I mean, would you be comfortable at all making a prediction for how the season turns out?
3: Well, you know what. got a very, very difficult schedule, okay? Very difficult. Um, And right now, what I saw in preseason, I didn't like what I saw in preseason, Um, if we play like that, we're an 8-8 football team with the schedule that we have, okay? Um, So we... And, and plus the injuries. I mean I mean let's not let's not disregard the fact that, that you know, we missing our middle linebacker, our leading tackler, um, on the football team, uh, for the last two preseason games. So he's not in the middle. Um and then Thomas Davis, we just got back for the last preseason game. Um, he hasn't been in there. Um, and then you miss missing Kimo, um, who got hurt in, in, in tore his Achilles. We haven't replaced him yet. Hopefully we find somebody on the Raven wires here soon and replace him uh, with somebody else in that middle. That's hurting us, okay? So we got a lot of injuries going on. Char, uh, Charles Godfrey, his, his hand broke. He didn't get to play in the last two preseason games. So a lot of injuries is going on on the defensive side of the football. The offense, we haven't had Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Stewart at all the whole uh, preseason, and that's a big weapon for us on offense. Um so we need him to be able to come in and and, and give D'Angelo Williams that that rest that he needs. And, and and so um we got Steve Smith later in the preseason. Moose only played half of the preseason. So we got a lot of injuries going on. But if we play like we've been playing in the preseason, we'll aid a football team easily.
1: Wow, that would really hurt.
3: Yes, that'll hurt big time because you know what we never had back to back um, winning seasons, and 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 we need to um, have that back to back winning season.
1: Yes, we do. Well, Mike, we appreciate you taking time to uh, to join us this week and uh, talk a little Panthers football. All right, appreciate it. We've heard a lot of differing views and opinions on how the Panthers will fare this season and on the opener versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me throw out just one more if. And this is a big if. This defense can learn the schemes that Ron Meeks brought with him from Indianapolis, and if the running game can prove to be as effective as it was last season, this team has no limits on how far it can go. Injuries will play a critical role as well, since there's an enormous drop-off between the starters and the backups. I suppose that's another big if, isn't it? You know, you add it all up and then throw in a very tough schedule, and it could be a very long year in Carolina. But I'm holding out hope for a 10-6 record and a playoff berth where anything can happen in the postseason. As for Philadelphia, the defense might be lacking a bit. Will Beeson play and will he be 100%? Can Charles Godfrey go and will the secondary play well? A solid running game would go a long way in helping the D. Keep them off the field and any deficiencies can be hidden. I think they can do it, especially considering the injuries that the Eagles have. My prediction, Carolina 24, Philadelphia 16. I want to thank Nick Yeoman for being with us. Nick's video blogs can be found on YouTube by searching for Big Nick 2700. Our appreciation to Matt Bowen for joining us. You can find his work at NationalFootballPost.com. Big ups to Richard Gardner of BowDog.com for providing us with his insights on the odds. Thanks to Scott Tunstall for taking part in our enemy segment. Scott's work is located at insidetheigles.com. And my thanks as always to Mike Minter for taking part in the Minterview. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes and feel free to leave us a review. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a
2: world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and
3: cheer for the Panthers. In our grand old day, nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game. G-H-S-S-E-R-E-O. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Carolina Panther football game.